Well, happy Friday, everybody, and welcome back to the Tiff Talks with Tiffany Michelle. So I originally planned on doing something totally different tonight, but I really think that after the week that we all had here in Texas, I really think I just need an episode to vent. Um, hopefully it won't be a whole hour of venting, but you never know where it's going to go with me. <laughs> so, um, you know, last week when we talked, I kept saying, you know, I was excited about the snow. We were going to see what was going to happen and hopefully I'd have some, you know, fun stories to share with y'all this week. But let me tell you what, man, I don't think that we expected the weather event that actually happened. And I know, you know, my brother lives in Austin and uh, my best friend lives in Austin. And the snow that they saw was insane. I mean, they still had snow today uh, on the ground. And they started having snow last week before we did here in Houston. So they've kind of had snow for a week. How does that happen in Texas? It's bizarre. Um... I think that a lot of us, you know, we feel like the weather cries wolf a lot, um, especially here in Texas, since we're so close to the ocean and we have a lot of big lakes. We have like that lake effect and we have the the heat off the ocean and the humidity and all that sort of thing. And so weather changes very quickly here, but it's usually more on the rainy side or, you know, we're used to the hurricanes or which are awful uh, or things like that. But not these types of weather events and it tends to happen where they say oh we're gonna have this major whatever and then it fizzles out and everybody's like wah wah you know you plan for this big thing and nothing and nothing happens and so I think we find a lot of times that we don't take it seriously um and you know (laughs) We all did that for Hurricane Harvey, too. I think that everybody kind of um, downplayed it a little bit because I think that that same year we had had several instances where we were expecting something major and it fizzled out. Nothing happened. And then Harvey came out of left field. Um, He was the guy that was chasing fireflies in the outfield while the rest of his team was actually playing baseball. And it's like he woke up and all of a sudden he was at our back porch (laughs) and it was extremely devastating. And so I think that a lot of us have PTSD from that. Um, I fared very well, thankfully, during Harvey. Um, My house was not flooded. We got a little nervous because we have a bayou right behind our house for our neighborhood and it filled up above the top, it was overflowing out of its banks um, and it was starting to creep up into our backyard, but it never really got past our fence. Um, but people in the outskirts of our neighborhood all around the perimeter were completely flooded um, through like the first story of their house. So I I was very, very lucky. My family was very lucky. Um, and the few flooding instances that we've had over the last, um, I guess, year and a half or so, we've also been spared. So again, we're very, very lucky. But man, this, 
weather situation. I've never seen anything like it. And I don't know if anybody else is experiencing it, but I think this one was a little bit different. So, you know, during hurricanes, we're used to the, the power going out, you know, um, a lot of us here in Houston have generators. Um, we originally were going to have a professional one put in and it's just, it's so expensive. And I wish when we were building the house that they would have given us the option to put that as an add-on because I feel like every house in Houston should automatically have a generator put on. Like it should be included in the cost of your house because um, we have so many weather events where we lose power and um, I just think it would be really beneficial. But nobody ever asked me, so (laughs) that's why I just share my opinions here. (laughs) So... I, uh, we have some generators, we have some small generators that we're able to kind of hook up and use to power because we have several, uh, refrigerators and freezers in our house. And so we need to be able to keep that sort of thing up and running. Um, and usually we will get, um, a line into the television really quickly so that the kids have something to keep them busy. But... We really don't use anything other than that. And then my husband has a whole lot of fans. He's obsessed with fans. So weird. Fans and flashlights. Go figure. Um, so we're definitely prepared. But um, so in the heat, we're able to, you know, open windows and try to get that cross breeze and um, turn on those fans. And I mean, we have the humidity, but we're generally okay. Um, the difference with this one was I don't think that anybody expected, number one, for us to have the event that we did. So we got a lot of ice here in Houston. We got um, an unexpected amount of snow. The snow here in my neighborhood lasted for three days. Um, I mean, we usually can't even catch the snow out of the sky before it melts. So that was a big, a big deal for us. Um, But the fact that we experienced temperatures that we've never, ever had before, um, and then our power was being shut off because of this whole like ERCOT power grid business, um, it was devastating. You know, you start to worry about all of these people who, you know, were dealing with this weather event where we're freezing our tails off and our homes are not made for this and people's pipes are freezing and bursting all over the place and you have no electricity to help keep you warm. So it was a little bit scary. You know, we had to try to get, get creative, especially when you have small kids, you know, I have four children at home and one of them is a year old and he has, um, health issues. So he's got the upper respiratory issues and he had been sick. Um, he's doing okay, but he's still got some of that chest crap. And I don't think that this helped it at all. Um, but you know, kids don't understand necessarily why, why is it so cold in the house? And why are you making me put on layers of clothes and I have to wear my jacket to sleep in and, and blankets all over the place. So we had our kids come in cause we, kept doing the rolling blackouts. Um, and I can only assume that, that it was only rolling blackouts and not that we had damage because our power would go out like every eight hours and it was like on the dot. Um, so we would be without power for eight hours at a time. 
and we would have the kids all come and sleep in our room. So we have cots for them uh, that we use when we travel. And so we set up their cots and we just tried to keep everybody in the same room and close the door and um, bundle up as best we could. And that's really hard when it's six degrees outside. Um, And while our homes are insulated, I mean, we have a really well insulated home. Um, But it really doesn't keep out that bitter cold. So it's just, it was, it was very um, eye opening. But let me tell you what, even with everything that happened, you know, we go back to healthcare and I just have to brag on the team that I work with. Um, I was a part of calls every few hours. We had um, leadership calls and the way that I saw the team come together this time was absolutely incredible. Um, there was just such great collaboration and teamwork and um, our leadership is just phenomenal. And I kept reading, you know, I follow a lot of those inappropriate meme accounts on uh, Instagram for nursing because they're hilarious. And you know, you look at them and a lot of them are true. But um, I it broke my heart to hear that there were a lot of people who were upset because they were working through this situation. And, you know, we're dealing with COVID on top of it. So we have a pandemic and now we have this insane ice and snowstorm business. And a lot of nurses were talking about how disappointed and, and unsupported they felt because their leadership teams were not on campus or their um, senior leadership members were at home while everybody else was at the hospital. And, you know, our senior leadership team, so our executive leadership team, slept at the hospital the entire time. Um, one of them, our our chief medical officer, was taking over. You know, we couldn't get doctors into the hospital because they were stranded. And he got out there and, you know, this is one amazing thing about where I work is that we have some chiefs that still practice their craft. So um, I have worked at organizations where you have, so take your chief medical officer. A chief medical officer has to be a licensed physician. So they have to have their MD. And I have worked at organizations and seen other organizations where you have your chief medical officer that is more like a figurehead, right? They, they haven't been practicing for 10 years or so. Um, sorry if I sound a little shaky, I'm freezing. (laughs) My insides are chattering, I think. Um, but at some of these organizations, you know, they haven't touched a patient in years, but where I work, my, like my chief medical officer still practices. Um, he spends the night at the hospital so he can help the team take care of patients. Um, I mean, and that's his normal routine. Um, so I just work with an incredible group of people and 
to see that where there's no complaining, there's no like, why can't they get in here to do this? It's just a, hey, you know what? We got to stick together. We got to get this done. We got patients to take care of. Let's do it. You know, go team. And um, that's really how it's been. And I've been so lucky to be able to watch some of these people work and learn from them. And I'm a true believer, you know, in some of the past episodes, we've talked about leadership and, and uh, I'll probably get more into it in another episode. But I'm a true believer that culture and behavior starts at the top. And um, I think if you have executive leaders who don't really give a crap, um, they spend more time out of the office or they spend more time with their door closed in their office and they're not out and about and they're not, um, you know, they're telling their team like, hey, these are my expectations. This is what I want you to do. Um, and they're not doing the same thing. I think it really sets the tone for the culture. But when you have leaders that walk the walk and don't just talk the talk, I think it sets a completely different precedent. And when you have senior leaders who are telling you, okay, I need my, so in in healthcare, we have an A team and a B team. Usually your A team is your write out team. So when you know that an event is going to happen, your A team comes in usually 12 hours in advance um, and they bring all their stuff with them. So they're going to camp out and they're going to write out the event in the hospital. And then once the event is done and it's safe for A team to go home, they call B team in. And so then B team comes in and usually they'll sleep there for a couple of days as well to kind of give A team an opportunity to um, rest and relax and kind of rejuvenate before they come back to a normal schedule. And when you have leaders who tell you, okay, um, a team, you got to come in and get ready. Uh, we have this event coming, you know, let's do this. And then you show up to work and you're expected to be there, but where's your leader, right? And your leader's missing, that says something to the staff. But when you have a leader who expects you to be in this position and do these things and you walk in and you know it's a sucky situation, you got to be there, you got to be away from your family. And a lot of times it's the scariest time to be away from your family, especially when you have children. Um, you're worried about them being at home, you're being separated, you know, th- it's very stressful. And so when you walk in and you see your leader is standing right there and you're like, oh, wow, what are you doing here? And they tell you, like, I'm going to be here with you. We're, we're in this together, right? We're a team. And I think that that really changes the culture. And it's so important that when you are in leadership, in any leadership, that if you ask your subordinates to do something you should be willing to do the exact same thing so don't ever ask somebody to do something that you are not willing to do um, or that you would not practice yourself there's so many other times that I've seen that situation happen 
And it really creates a lot of animosity um, um, between leaders and, and staff members. And I think it creates a lot of discord um, and distrust. And you don't want that. You want your team to trust you and know that you have their back and that you're part of the team. And I think that, again, with leadership, it's so important to remember that a title is not what makes a leader. A leader is somebody who inspires others to be the best that they can be and inspires others to do things that you don't even have to necessarily ask them, but they want to do things for you because they know that you have their back. And let me tell you what, nurses are some of the most loyal people you will ever meet. So if you are a leader that is trusted and valued and supported by your staff, your staff will be loyal to a fault. They may not want to come in and take care of that patient. They may not want to work that extra day, but because you're asking them to and because they adore you, they're going to come in and do it. And it's important to remember that you gain trust and loyalty by walking the walk. There are so many people in this world who are in positions of leadership that all they do is talk the talk. They want to point the finger. They want to tell you what to do and how to do it. But then when it comes down to it, they have no idea what they're talking about. And if they were put in a room by themselves and told to do the exact same thing, either A, they wouldn't be willing to do it, or B, they wouldn't even know where to start. I've even worked for people like that. I could never take a day off because if I wasn't there, who was going to do my job? No one else knew how to do it, including the leaders that were there. How do you work in a place where you don't know how to do the job of every person that works for you? A leader should be somebody who can step in at any given time and take over. So that way, whatever needs to get done still gets done and nobody skips a beat. But that's another thing that that shows people that you are the real deal. They want to know that when you have to, you're going to roll up your sleeves, you're going to put on your tennis shoes, and you're going to get out there. And I just think I have seen so much of that over this last week. It's been absolutely incredible, and um, it reinforces why I love working where I'm working. Um, Because, you know, a lot of times we stop and, and... say, why am I still doing this? You know, um, especially with COVID and, uh, everything that's going on right now. And it just really brings you back to that why and makes you stop and think like, you know what? I want to do it because I get to do it with these people, you know? So I just wanted to kind of talk not very long, but, um, I really just felt like it was important to share some of the stuff from this week. And um, I hope that everybody else was able to stay warm. Um, My heart is broken at the number of people that I've seen that have had pipes burst. I mean, there are people who did all the right things 
and, um, you know, they still had major damage to their home and, and it just feels like such a violation when things like that happen. And, and again, I think that many of us Texans are very devastated by the fact that we had to deal with this major weather event and this frigid, frigid temperature and we were left without heat. Um, I mean, there were people, including children, who died this past week because they were doing everything they could to stay warm. And it really is a senseless, a senseless death um, for anybody during times like this because there is no reason that we should have lost our power um, and that people could not have stayed warm. Um, so I hope that there are a lot of changes made. I don't know that this type of weather is going to become a regular event. I hope it's not, (laughs) but, um, we'll have a lot of Texans packing up and moving (laughs) because, you know, people live in Texas because they like the heat. Um, but again, you know, our homes are not made for this and, um, we need to be able to keep warm and keep everybody safe and protect our children and protect the elderly and make sure that we have what we need. Um, so I really am hoping to see some changes. And if you're listening, I hope that you and your family were able to stay safe and that you didn't have any devastating damage. And, um, I'm just going to be praying for all the people of Texas and, um, hopefully we can rebuild soon and we can learn from some of these mistakes that were made. But with that, I am going to go to bed because it has been a long week and I just finished writing a 25 page case study for school. Um, and my brain is fried. So, um, sorry, it's super short, but, um, I felt like we just kind of needed a vent session after this week, but next week we will have an all new episode. Um, and the topic has yet to be determined. (laughs) So if you have any suggestions or recommendations, please send them to me at the tifftalks at gmail.com. And I look forward to talking with you all soon. Thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate all of the support. Please continue to share the podcast. Review it on whatever platform you're listening to it on. Leave comments, like it, subscribe, all that good stuff. And I can't wait to talk to you next week. Bye.